discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Ephesians chapter 6. So, by the grace of God from Thursday, we began our session with the whole armor of God. And we laid a foundation on the first day, then continued on Friday, and today is the consummation. So, I'd like to read from verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers to the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and haven't done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins get about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Hallelujah. Does the verses, do these verses make meaning to you? Verse 15. And your feet showed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So today we are on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. We want to be fully dressed. We want to be fully dressed. Leaving nothing. So we did four last week. So um, uh, Thursday and Friday. It's level three. The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. How many of you listen to Thursday's message? How many of you have listened to Thursday's message? Or were there on Thursday? Or about Friday? All right, hallelujah. It's a build-up. So if we're not here, I'll urge you that you, you listen to the messages from Thursday. You, are, you have a better understanding. Hallelujah. So now we've seen the soldier. We've seen his shoes. We've seen his belt. We've seen his breastplate. We've seen his shield. What again? Now let's see his head. The helmet of salvation. The whole armor of God. The helmet of salvation. What is the helmet of salvation? And I, I say that when Paul was describing all of these pieces of armor, the foundation, he used the Roman military. The Roman army. The seven pieces of armor they used to be fully dressed before they fight. That's what he used. And through the revelation of the Holy Ghost, God began to reveal to him how that all of that corresponded to our spiritual weaponry and our spiritual armor in the battles of life. So to, to, today we've come to our head, the helmet of salvation. We need to keep our head, the helmet of salvation. Now, in the Roman times, A Roman, would never, a Roman soldier would never fight without a helmet. It was very deadly. The helmet was very important. Now, the helmet was so beautiful. Actually, if you see the Roman helmet, it doesn't look like a weapon at all. It doesn't look like, like an armor at all. It actually looks like a, a work of art. <laughs> the decoration was... It was full of engravings 
etchings, intricate designs, full of ornamentations. The whole thing was flamboyant. So you look at it, it's just like a work of art. But yet it was an armor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was so beautiful that it catches the eye. The two things that catches the eye the most are the breastplate and the helmet. It catches the eye. Because our salvation is very attractive. That's our salvation. It is called the helmet of salvation. It's very attractive. It's very attractive. The Roman soldier, the helmet he used was so decorative that actually the whole thing was decorated. Even if you see the helmet, the top of the helmet was decorated with sometimes horse hair and sometimes feathers, comb of feathers all around. It's amazing. Feathers. But the whole of the helmet was made of bronze. Now, if you listen to me for the past two days, I, I've used the word brass so many times. Brass, 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 brass. But you see, the helmet is not brass, it's bronze. There's a difference. Brass is copper plus zinc. Bronze is copper plus tin. <laughs> and you know, bronze is stronger than brass. Yeah. You can put bronze in fire and brass in fire. The brass will develop some cracks. But the bronze can withstand fire. <laughs> and that is how salvation. The helmet was made of bronze. Very hard. Very strong. Very heavy. Now, this helmet was so heavy that even hammer cannot penetrate it. <laughs> it was so heavy that if they had to put it on your head, your head may collapse. So what happened was that... <laughs> The inside of the helmet was lined with sponge. So that when the, you carry the helmet, the weight will reduce and your hair can just bear it. That's how it was done. This. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The helmet of salvation. And the word helmet is the word pericaphalia. The word helmet actually means peri, actually means around. Peri kafalaya, helmet. Around. Peri means around, and kafalaya means head. Helmet means around the head, literally in the Greek. Because the helmet, when they carry the helmet, it covered their entire head. Sometimes the, head, the helmet looks like the elephant's head. At times it looks like the horse's head. And it covers the entire head. Now, why the helmet? Why did the Roman soldier wear a helmet? In those days, the enemies of Rome, a lot of, the, uh, of, of these warriors used a certain short, sharp axe. They call it a battle axe. That was more powerful than the one we use now. And when the Roman, when they are fighting with you, they aim at your head. The battle axe was so sharp that when, <laughs> when a soldier throws it against your head, pa, your head will fall down. It's just, just at one sling, it, you can just take the head down. Those of you who watch movies a lot, you can be, you are acquainted with the things I'm talking about. <laughs> pa, and your head is off, and your body falls down. So without a helmet, there's a tendency that you may lose, lose your head. So if you want to keep your head, you need, you need a helmet. Because the battle, the axe cannot penetrate the helmet. Not even hammer or the axe. It's strong, made of bronze. So the safety of, of your head is dependent on the helmet. If you want to keep your beautiful head, then the helmet is very important. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the same way, spiritually speaking, speaking, we have an armor that covers our head. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible calls it the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. It covers our head. The helmet of salvation. So beautiful, so intricate ornamental, so wonderful, the helmet of salvation. Now, why did Paul use the word salvation? Why helmet of salvation? 
This is something that covers our brain, that covers our thinking faculties, our thoughts. The helmet of salvation. Now, you must understand the tenses of salvation. Salvation, the word salvation is so big. And sometimes when Paul uses the word salvation, sometimes he uses it in the, pre- in the past, sometimes in the present, sometimes in the future. Our salvation is deals with the past, the present, then the future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the past, we're saved from the penalty of sin. In the present, from the power of sin. In the future, from the presence of sin. The Bible speaks of the abiding virtues, faith, hope, and love. When we give our lives to Christ, we're saved by hope, by faith. Presently, we are being saved by love, and in the future, we shall be saved by hope. When we give our lives to Christ, our spirit was saved. Now our soul is being saved. Then our bodies shall be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These are the tenses of salvation. So when Paul speaks of the helmet of salvation, what is he talking about? Is he talking about the past? Is he talking about the present or the future? What is he talking about? Now for you to understand the Bible, Peter said in 2 Peter 1.21 that knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of private interpretation. He gave us the key to interpreting the scriptures. Hallelujah. Verse 20 actually. He gave us the key to interpreting the scriptures. Then, he's saying that no prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation. That means that no, if you take a verse of the scripture, no verse... You cannot derive the meaning. No verse has a local meaning in itself. To understand, if you interpret a verse by by itself, you are violating the keys for the interpretation of scriptures. To interpret a single verse, you have to employ other verses to interpret that verse. Because no no verse of scripture stands alone. That is why the Bible says, Seek ye the book of the Lord and read for no one of it shall fail. By my mouth it has commanded, and by my spirit it has guarded. In Isaiah 34 verse 16, it said, not one shall want a mate. Every verse has its mate. That's what he's saying. <laughs> None shall want a mate. Hallelujah. <laughs> Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. Every verse has a mate somewhere. If you see the mate, you can understand the verse better. When you see one verse, you may have light in that verse. But the Bible says, For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light we shall see light. With that light, you must see other light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, what did Paul imply when he spoke of the helmet of salvation? Since salvation has its tenses, past, present, and future, what was he really talking about? Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8, and see the dynamics of what he's talking about. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. And for an helmet the hope of salvation. So the helmet of salvation actually, in specific sense, is speaking of the hope of salvation. Say the hope of salvation. salvation. One more time, say the hope of salvation. salvation. I said that we are saved. By faith, by love, and by hope. By faith are you saved. By grace are you saved through faith. That's why we believe in Jesus with seed. But right now, our soul is being transformed through the word of God. By love. The more we receive his love and reflect it and love, the more our soul. The soul is composed of the mind. You see, when we say that mind was not saved. But as we hear the word of God, the mind is being saved. Uh-huh. Then there's a promise of salvation. The Bible says in Romans 8, verse 24, that we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. <laughs> what a man see it, why then does he hope for it? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And that salvation is speaks, speaking of our glorification, the coming of Jesus. Jesus is coming for us. And the transfiguration and the glorification of our bodies. 
That's what he's talking about. Jesus coming for us. That's the hope of our salvation. Looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God. And our Lord Jesus Christ. He called it the blessed hope. Titus calls it the, in the Greek the happy hope. He calls it the happy hope. Hallelujah. So for I reckon that the sufferings at this present time. Are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature who awaited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation itself was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of heed who has subjected the same in hope. The creation itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And we know that the whole world groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. Not only they, but ourselves also. Even we who have the first fruit of the Spirit, we do grow in ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wait the redemption of our bodies. For we are saved by hope. Paul said, Wherein God, willing the more abundantly to show unto the earth of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, he might have a strong refuge who has run to lay hold of the hope that is set before us, which hope also we have as an anchor of the soul. You know, an anchor. Your soul without hope is like a ship without an anchor. It was tossed by the storm anyhow. But this hope is an anchor of the soul and is sure and steadfast. And you know where the anchor has, it's not on a rock. You know where the anchor is? It's entered into that which is within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That means in the holies of holies in heaven, that's where our anchor is. The anchor holds us on earth. Hallelujah. So in terms of the storms and the turbulence and the troubles on the high seas of life, there's an anchor that holds our soul. And the anchor is connected to the mercy seat. Hallelujah. This is the hope. This is the hope. Amazingly, he said this hope is helmet. <laughs> it's helmet. It keeps our head. Let me break it down further. Now when we speak of salvation, there is the assurance of salvation and there is the security of salvation. I realize that when, when many come to Christ and they give their life to Christ, convert classes, I remember, they taught us the assurance of salvation. But they didn't teach us the security of salvation. Now, assurance of salvation is this. Am I saved? That's assurance of salvation. But security of salvation is this. Will I be saved? Someone said that one. <laughs> so, many today are assured but not secured. They are assured but not secured. They are assured, oh, I'm saved. But will you be saved? But this helmet... It's not the assurance of salvation, it's the security of salvation. And convert must be taught not only to be assured, but to be secured. Can you imagine marrying a wife or marrying a husband? And you are assured of your husband's love, but you are not secured. <laughs> Just think of it. It will affect the marriage. You are sure that everything is fine today. Oh, I, I know you love me. But ask him whether you still be loving me after five years. I cannot tell. It will cause a lot of problems. You see, you see how it is? It will, and this is the foundation of many of our troubles. We don't have this hope. Because sometimes we give up inwardly. If we were to speak, teach on this hope... It's a secret even holiness. It's a secret. Because every man that has this hope in himself purified himself even as he is pure. Will I go to hell? After all this. I'm telling many many have questions. I know God loves me, but 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 hey.
Can you see yourself as a father and you call your son? Say, my son, I love you. I love you so much. I'll do everything for you. But <laughs> the but is the problem. But make sure you don't miss it. Otherwise, I'll take you to hell. The child is assured but will not be secure. Because what is the criteria for his disqualification? Because what is sin? That even thought just came through your head. It's a sin. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the more you understand the efficacy of the eternal salvation which Jesus brought us, the more your love for him will be secured. The more it will be steadfast. Your joy will be steadfast. You see, when you are working with the Lord and you know that he holds you and he will not lose you, I'm telling you, your love will escalate. But when you are full of uncertainty, it affects you. So today we have many believers who are without helmet and their heads are bruised in a battlefield. Because that can just shoot an arrow in your head and say, look, look at what you did. Heaven forget. <laughs> is it heaven forget and you say it's true. I even dreamt and I was in hell, it's true. <laughs> Rapture came and I was not. I remember one day I went to pray with a friend. I'll never forget that scene. A certain Pentecostal went to pray there and we entered the, 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 the church. It was had the main entrance. That was the entrance that was op- we opened and we closed it and the key was in my pocket. And I was leaning by the door praying with my friend. Praying now for hours, praying now. And I realized I wasn't hearing anybody again. So I stopped. And I could see the whole auditorium. When I turned and looked, this guy wasn't there. I turned everywhere, this guy wasn't there. I looked through the chest, he wasn't there. My heart started melting. I said, Jesus, the rapture has come. <laughs> The fear that came over me is untold. <laughs> I don't know that he was hiding under one of the chest brains. Michael, do you remember the, the, the blasting, the, the gas station at uh, Atomic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That blasted a few, few months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the sun was very t- great. Yeah. There were some people praying at uh, that This is the story. There was this man. A friend of mine told him that her uncle was driving his, um, how do you call it, children. Was driving and his children was behind, they were behind the car, the back of the car. And he heard a sound. And the sound was huge. He stopped and said, no, this must be rapture. This must be rapture. So he turned, he was expecting his children to be raptured. So he turned and his children were in the car. You know what he said? Ah, what did you do? <laughs> He was confident he was not going back. But children, <laughs> he told us, What did you do? So, what did you do? Hey. I was so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. But you have to be established in the truth that you're not going to lose your salvation. You have to understand that there's a difference between our works our reward and our salvation. We have to teach it carefully and know the differences and some of the scriptures, we need some light into it. Then when our eyes are open, we will understand that, oh, wow. Our salvation is apart from works. We can do nothing about it. It's believing. Nothing is added to it. 
But where we, how we'll be in heaven and our positioning, you know, our eternal reward is by our works. Where your salvation is independent of works. Now look at what Jesus said. Let me just give one or two scriptures and see what Jesus said. Um, um, let's go to John 10 verse 28. John 10, 28. Jesus said, And I shall give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And no man shall be able to... I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, that's what Jesus said. I shall give them unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Do you understand English language? They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Whose hand is this? Jesus. Let's, let's go to verse 29. My father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hands. So we are in two different hands. Jesus says that we are in his hands, no man can pluck us out. And he says we are also in your father's hands, no man can pluck us out. Then verse 30 said, I am my father, I one. <laughs> So I'll give you now let's go back verse 28 verse 28 they shall never say never never, never perish now in the Greek the word never sometimes is, is, is either me any or sometimes the word ooh, or you that's it but in this verse they shall never perish the way the Greek construction is written is written is, is, is the strongest Negative double negative assertion in a Greek, it is umi, which means so in the Greek, it means it's umi, it's the strongest assertion, it's double negative. I give them eternal life, and they shall not by any means, not in any way. Perish. Yeah, they shall never never perish. That's what he's talking about. Hallelujah. Understand it. Not in any way. Let me show you another one. John 4, verse 14. John 4, verse 14. And this is what Jesus is saying. Whosoever drinketh of the water I shall give him shall never test. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of salvation, springing up into everlasting life. He's talking about salvation. You see, the waters of salvation, when we drink the waters of salvation, he said, we will never test. But that water shall, I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up to everlasting life. Now, the word never here, the previous one is ume. But this one here is ume ice ion. Yes, it's one word. In the Greek, it's four words, but in the English, it's one word. They shall never test. And that's how it is written. It, it, it is trans, translated in the, in the Greek. Literally. Ume eyes ion. They shall not in any way. And they shall by no means. Perish. Even unto the years of eternal ages. Wow. <laughs> wow. Ion. Eternities. Even unto the eternities. They shall never. <laughs> He's speaking of the efficacy of the, the work of the cross. <laughs> the blood of bulls and goats. Now, there's another verse. The Bible speaks of Jesus. That Christ being come and high priest of good things to come. By a noble and a perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Neither by the blood of bulls and of goats. But by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. As Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, the stuff said he obtained eternal redemption. Now, when we read it in another, another verse, he said he obtained everlasting release from ourselves. Everlasting release. You understand? The blood of bulls and goats cleanses their sons once a year. But to think Jesus' blood cleanses your sons once in 10 years is to reduce <laughs> the blood of Jesus to the blood of something else. Hallelujah. Now, you have to be secured in, in this thing. That Jesus. That is why we have the Holy Spirit. Have you not read that who also has sealed us and given unto us 
the pledge of the spirit. Second Corinthians 1 verse 22, Ephesians 1 verse 14. The Bible says of the Holy Ghost that he is the pledge of our inheritance until the redemption of the previous possession. The Holy Spirit we have today is both our seal and pledge. You see so many times in the scriptures, we are sealed. Now, you know what a seal is? A seal is a mark of ownership. It's like a, a, a stamp. When you see a rubber stamp of KNUSD on this podium, it shows that this podium belongs to KNUSD. God's seal on us is the Holy Spirit. A seal signifies ownership, who you belong to, what this puppet belongs to, or this organ belongs to. And we are sealed with the Holy Spirit to tell us that we belong to God. Our, the ownership of ourselves is God. The Holy Ghost is the seal. It's the stamp that we are God's property. Do you think God is willing to lose you? Then there is a pledge of the Spirit. Oh, I wish I had time to explain. There's a pledge of the Spirit. And you need to understand the pledge. The pledge of the Spirit. Ola mashana. You know, the word, in, in the Jewish wedding, it's different from our weddings. There were two aspects. Let me just summarize it. Two aspects of the Jewish wedding. It's not like the, day, the way we marry now. But among the Jews, when you want to marry, the first aspect is called Kedashan. The second aspect is called Nisuin. The two aspects of marriage. If you want to marry, at the Kedashan, you go to pay the bride's price. You go to the house of the, the bride and you make the payment. And after making the payment, you make a promise. That I'll come back to marry you. You have to promise because and among the Jews, the groom doesn't fix the wedding date. Like the way Pastor Alex fixed the wedding date. <laughs> but among the Jews, <laughs> The groom doesn't fix the wedding date. It is the groom's father who fixes the wedding date. Yeah. <laughs> he just examines everything and says, no, it's time. The lady is ready. So now it's time. But what that guy can do is that after paying a brighter price, he gives a promise that, Charlie, I'll come for you. <laughs> but the day or the hour, I do not know. But my father knows. <laughs> oh, you people, are, you people are people of scripture. That's what Jesus Christ came. He made the same promise when he was going. It doesn't, know that, it doesn't mean he doesn't know, but he's taking the place of a bridegroom and promising us that he's going to come for us. You understand? Then, listen, then after that, after the promise, he takes a ring and puts it on her finger. And a ring becomes like a legal tie to bind him and her. Now, the ring, as soon as she, he put the ring on her finger, it means that it, it's a legal binding. That's where the marriage begins. No matter what. But just that it's, it is yet to be consummated. Uh -huh. The wedding proper is yet to come. So when he put the ring, it's like a legal tie, saying, I'll surely come for you. And that's, then he goes. Then when it's time, he comes. And the, the bride doesn't even know when the wedding is coming on. All Jewish brides are stolen. That's how their marriages. It's like this. You are in your home as a bride. Now, they, don't, they have no idea when the wedding is coming on, but sometimes they can understand the seasons. So you are just in your home, and the guy sends a team of men, and they just come and steal you and take the wedding gown. Now, every, in, among the Jewish brides, you don't go to store and buy a, a gown. You sew the gown yourself. Yeah. That's the fruit of righteousness. You sow it yourself. <laughs> you need to learn how to sow. You sow it yourself. Then he comes and just snatches the, the lady and take her things. Pop! Wedding. The bride is snatched. And that's a picture of the rapture. And the rapture will be snatched away. And the ring is a sign. And in the Greek, the ring is a word arhabona in the Greek. So when Jesus said, when the Bible speaks of, he has given us the pledge of the spirit. That word pledge is a word arhabon from the word arhabona. So the Holy Spirit is the engagement ring and the proof that Jesus is coming for us for the wedding day. <laughs> Who qualifies for the wedding day? Those who have the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, you qualify for the wedding day, for the wedding feast. Beloved, this is the secret of our salvation. The Holy Spirit is in you. Don't fear. 
Christ is not coming to judge uh, to, the, to, to, to us as a judge. He's coming to us as a bridegroom and come to the world as a judge. Different. You must understand that there's a private coming of Christ and there's a public coming of Christ. At the rapture, he doesn't come publicly. He comes privately and meets us in the air and snatches us away for the wedding. But at the second coming of Christ, we come with him and he comes as a judge to judge the world. The two are different. So don't be afraid concerning the second coming. You should approach the second coming as a bride and waiting for your wedding. And every bride loves the wedding day much more than even the groom. He, the bride looks for it, longs for it, anticipates it, looks for it. In the same way, we must anticipate it, looks for it, because the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead that are in Christ shall rise first. And we also, which are alive and remain, which shall be caught up together with them in the cloud to shall meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto me, and not to me only, but to all them that long for his appearing. May we long for his appearing. Hallelujah. So you must, it's the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, you are a candidate, you are his bride. Never fear. The blood of Jesus is a qualification. Your acceptance is not in your works. Your acceptance is the blood. I don't read your Bible at all. I know you read, but how to rightly divide it? Sometimes. No. 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 Make sure you have the helmet. And you will see. If you understand how, if you are secured of your salvation, not just assured, but if you are secured, you have your helmet. And you will see that from today, it's like your life is just advancing. It's like, you see, sometimes eh, if you have some things against God, the, the, the heaviness on your conscience deprive you from your best. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, but that's not all. The helmets of salvation, salvation is a bigger picture. Understand that the word salvation is so huge. The word salvation is not just going to heaven or escaping hell. No. Actually, in the Greek, according to Thea, in the Greek, the first definition of soteria, salvation, is not even being saved from hell. Like the number of times it is used in the Greek, it will shock you. Being saved from hell is the third definition. The first one is of physical and material deliverance. The second one is preservation from the molestation of enemies. Now, the idea is that salvation is huge. It includes your spirit, your soul, and your body. Of course, the most important one is your soul, your, your, your being saved eternally. But it encompasses all that Christ did. It's a package. It includes your health, your deliverance, your protection, your preservation. Hallelujah. All in one. So when you put on the helmet of salvation, you know, a lot of people are walking around and it's like they've lost their hope of tomorrow. Sometimes you ask someone, Charlie, do you think you can make it? The person said, I hope so. Now, when the world uses the word, I hope so, it's like it may be, it may not be. I hope so. But when the Bible speaks of hope, elpis, it is not like I hope so. The, the hope the Bible uses, elpis, is the confident expectation and the firm anticipation of the promises of God. This hope doesn't fail, this hope delivers. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us hold fast the profession of our. The Greeks, the, the, the English should feel that is Elpis, it's not Pistis. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Hope. You see, the hope is not maybe, maybe, or there. It is strong, it is firm, it will come to pass. Now, to take your helmet means to walk in uncertainty about your future uncertainties. But hope delivers because hope maketh not ashamed. That is to say, hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost that is given to Hope does not disappoint. 
That's to say, all the promises that God has given you, all the prophecies that has come concerning your life, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. All the promises of God in him are yea and amen. What, that, what it means is that everything God has promised you, you need to put on the helmets of salvation and walk in certainties and firm anticipation that what God has said, I'm walking into it. It will not fail. It will not lie. At the end, it will speak. What has God promised you? What are the prophecies that has come concerning your life? What are the beautiful things God has said? The reason why it will not come to pass is that you have taken away your hope. You've put it down. But put on the helmet and know that, oh, I expect good things. I expect good things. It shall come to pass. It shall be fulfilled. Confident expectation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you what this helmet does. Hope. Many people are uncertain of their future. But this helmet will make you certain of your future. Some people believe that maybe in future, their, their marriages will not work. Or something you are doing, you can believe in the present, but you may doubt the future. But you must understand that Jesus holds your future. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And his, his word is steadfast and is sure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes you, see, you hear many things. Like in our world today, uh, Islamic terrorists all over. Now people are in nations and they are full of fear. If you go to England today, hmm, terrorism is so high that people cannot, are not free. I remember one day, there was a story that had just come about three years ago or something of Islamic attack somewhere all over. When Boko, Boko Haram were, I mean, and one day I, I just boarded the plane. And when I boarded the plane, I sat in the plane and I turned my head and I saw this Islamic guy. And the beard was very long. And, like, and when I look at his face, Charlie, and my heart, something smote my heart, you! <laughs> the first thought the devil planted in my heart is that, hey, these guys, they can't even be in the plane, they, they will bomb themselves and we all die. That, you know, that's the first thought that came to my head. Came to my head, and I, oh, I said, oh, it's not true. It cannot be. <laughs> so sometimes, looking at the things that are happening in the world, economic tensions, difficulties, you see, these Islamic invasions, you can just become afraid of your tomorrow. You understand? It? You can become afraid of your tomorrow, uncertainties of your tomorrow. But you need a helmet. You need a helmet. In Psalm 112, verse 7, they shall not be afraid of evil tidings. I shall not be afraid of evil tidings. My heart is fixed, trusting the Lord. My heart is fixed, trusting the Lord. So no matter evil tidings, evil news, hey, something happened here, this is what is happening here, your heart is fixed, trusting the Lord, you are not afraid. Your heart must be fixed, trusting the Lord. You are exempted. In Luke 21 verse 28, Jesus said, when you hear all of these things come to pass, like all the signs of the end, the wars and everything and the rumor. When you hear all of this has come to pass, say, lift up your head and look up for your redemption right now. So when we hear the negative things, they say, you lift up your head. Our redemption is the redemption of our bodies. That's the kind of Jesus, our rapture. It is close. We are just going home. So when we hear good news, bad news around, remember, it means we are going home. <laughs> our homecoming is imminent. It is closer. So you must be firm in your thought life. Nothing moving you. A lady told me that a prophet told her that when she marries, she's not going to have a child for eight years. So all her life, she's hoping that she'll marry an eight years, no child. And she has accepted it. She, she accepted it. Accepted it. When God reveals something like that, it means you can do something about it. That's why he revealed it. I said, it's not true. You need a helmet. And have hope. Your, the, 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 your tomorrow is as bright as the promises of God. 
and she was part of the, 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 the when she married. Exactly, nine months she had a child. So, to, so the child was a honeymoon baby. Hallelujah. Now, David says something. David said, God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will met out Shechem and I will divide the valley of Sukkoth. He said, Gilead is mine. Manasseh also is mine. Ephraim is the helmet of my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom, I will cast my shoe. And Philistia triumph because of me. Psalm 860 verse 8. Now in Psalm 60 verse 8, King James says, Ephraim is the strength of my head. But there's another version. Ephraim is the helmet of my head. Ephraim is the helmet of my head. Verse 7 and 8. Ephraim is the helmet of my head. Ephraim is the helmet of my head. Hallelujah. Now this is God speaking. God says, Ephraim is the helmet of my head. You know the meaning of Ephraim? In the Bible, Ephraim, literally, the word Ephraim is double fruitfulness. Double fruitfulness. God is saying that the helmet of his head is double fruitfulness. When God thinks, he's thinking, his thinking is fruitfulness. He thinks fruitfulness. Double fruitfulness. Hallelujah. When you think of your marriage, think fruitfulness. When you think of your business, think fruitfulness. When you think of your future, think fruitfulness. When you think of ministry, think fruitfulness. Whose other things are true, whose other things are lovely, whose other things are pure, whose other things are just, whose other things are lovely. If there be any virtue, if there be... Hallelujah. Praise. Think on these. Fruitful. Don't think of a dark future, a grim future. No. You need a helmet. Hope must come alive. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is God's mentality. Fruitfulness. Oh, just think well. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. The helmet covers the head, the thoughts, the brain, the mind, the thoughts. It, it, it keeps a defense. Beloved, without a helmet, your head is about to be chopped off. Without a helmet, you are so insecure about your own health. You are so insecure about your own. Your bank account is... And you look at, hey, do I have a future? You are losing your helmet. Remember that the first day I, I made a mention that all of this armor is against the wiles of the devil. And I said the word wiles is the word methodos. And I said it's, it's the composition of two words, meta and odos. Meta means with, and odos means the road. The word wiles of the devil, wiles means with the road. And I told you that the devil's deception is just one link. He doesn't have many things. He only has one. He repeats and has different, you know, and I told you that if the devil deception, the wiles means that the devil wants to take you on a lane for you to work with him. By the end of the, the, the road, the destination is for you to be deceived. The devices, the wiles of the devil. I said it. So there is the wiles and there's the devices. You are matter. That is a deceived mind. He takes you on a road, he speaks to your thought. Failure, failure, failure until you are deceived. Then so but there's another level. There's another level. So there is a wiles, there is a devices, then there's a stronghold. You know, the devil attacks your mind. That's his highest weapon. It's against the wiles. Stronghold. What's a stronghold? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, that though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. So imaginations, the things you image yourself in. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Say stronghold. stronghold. Now let me show you what stronghold is because some of us may have strongholds in our minds. What is stronghold? Now it's the word okoroma in the Greek. It has two meanings. One, it means a fortress. A fortress. Hallelujah. Now, now, a fortress is an extremely impregnable 
wall or a fort that prevents outsiders from coming in. Like uh, the Trojan Wall. No matter who you are, you cannot penetrate. The reason for a fortress is to prevent outsiders from coming in. Praise God. To prevent intruders from coming in. That's a fortress. You, ca- you cannot go in. That's the first meaning of the word stronghold or coroma. The second meaning is the word prison. The same word coroma also, also means prison. Now what is a prison? A prison prevents insiders from going out. <laughs> a prison prevent, prevents insiders from going out. A fortress prevents outsiders from coming in. And that's what is called stronghold. Hmm. Now what the devil does is this. He plants a thought in your head and deceives you. Actually, I cannot make it. I'm a failure. This marriage will not work. He can plant something in your head and make it so strong that he built a stronghold around you. So much that you are in prison, you cannot go outside of that thought. You are impri- imprisoned. You cannot break away from that thought. At the same time, others cannot break forth to help you. No matter what others say, you are not convinced because the devil has cluttered your head. Others cannot break forth to help you. You also, you cannot go out. It's called stronghold. <laughs> Those people, no matter what, they have believed in something wrong, no matter what you say. Cause stronghold, but the weapons of our warfare are not cannon, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down. This helmet ha- can pull down all strongholds because it's God's armor. Hallelujah! Now, there are two aspects of strong this stronghold one is rational, the other one is irrational. Two aspects, two aspects of strongholds rational and irrational. What is a rational stronghold? It's the strongest. The rational stronghold. Now, it said casting down imaginations to the pulling down of strongholds. And I think there's semicolon, right? To the pulling down of strongholds. Then it said casting down imaginations. So the strongholds, the word imaginations is the word logismos. Where you get the word logic. So in imaginations is the word logical thinking. Logical thinking. When something is logic, it, it is reasonable, it's not so. Yet it can be a stronghold. That's why you need a helmet. It can be a strong logical thinking. For instance, God has called you into ministry. God says, Son, do my work. You know, God has called you. And the devil brings the stronghold. Then you start thinking, I have a wife, I have three kids. I have to pay my rent. I have to pay their school fees. My in-laws are there. Where am I going to get money if I abandon my work and do ministry? Where is it coming from? This is a very this is a stronghold. It can be in your head. God has called you. I do think and anybody you talk to the person was right because it is logical. But it's a stronghold. And it can imprison you so much that you cannot come out and others cannot come in. In what day? And you are wasting the time and time is going. Time is going. One day, about some three months or four, four months ago, I went to do a monogram, receive some money. Someone has sent me money from my brother. And when and you have to fill, who fill some forms, I wrote pastor. So the guy who is, was checking the thing for me said, Are you a pastor? It's a man. I said, yes. I said, hmm, 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 hmm. So I thought that he was even coming to criticize me. <laughs> but I said, hmm, what's your pain? Hmm. Hey, God has called me. God has called me. Hmm. Hey. But the family, the family, where will I get money? Where, where, where? Until I was sitting sad for the guy. <laughs> how, how can I fail for my family? How, how can I do it? God has called me. It's a stronghold. Yeah. The devil deceives you to think that God cannot take care of you. Yeah. That, that is deception of the devil. God cannot take care of you. That, that's a deception. It, it's what, so you, you need a word to instruct you to, to know that God can take care of you better than your manager. 
Oh, no, 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 no. God can take you better than what Ecobank can pay you. If I work with God and trusted him, you say, it's far beyond. Huh. Hey, some of you are quiet. I wonder whether there's a stronghold that is coming out. <laughs> you see, I met a certain man. This is what the man told me. The man is a friend to Bishop Dag. He said, I was Bishop, I'm Bishop Dag's friend. God called all of us at the same time. But I was working in a bank. And I told God that he should give me some time. Let me lay some foundations for my family before I come. And Bishop Dak responded. And he said, oh God, give me a little time. And the little time became 20 years. Almost 20 years. And he came back and he looked at Bishop Dak and he goes like... <laughs> like I said, what say as It's amazing. So rational. You have to know God and do you know his love, his goodness? How love us shutter. If you want to if you want to know his goodness, look at Pastor T. Look at your pastor. Look at your pastor. He has to abandon everything for the ministry. He's a master's degree holder. But God called him. Initially, it was like, hey! Hmm. He was also getting closer to his marriage. Hey! <laughs> That's where we'll see whether God called you or you called yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just use ministry, but they had, had a lot of a lot of things. Yeah. A lot. And there's an irrational. That one, it doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> it's like you are there in Italy. Hey, will something happen to me? Let me use my own self as, as an example. One day, when Ebola came. I went to minister somewhere and I, I was there greeting a lot of people. So many people. And I went to my hotel room. So when I went, I started feeling feverish somewhere. <laughs> the, the first thought that came to my head Are you not sure? <laughs> hey! <laughs> hey! Are you not sure these are the symptoms of Ebola? The devil that he will attack the mind. But the reservoir of scriptures in your hearts will rise up for a defense. <laughs> so sometimes you are there in the imaginations. You imagine so many things that are irrational. Hey, am I going to die? Am I going to die? Am I going to die? Hey, will my marriage work? Will my marriage work? Hey, hey. Like a man of God was sitting in the plane and he, there was a little turbulence. He was so afraid that he started writing his will. He was writing his will. <laughs> this is a senior man of God. Oh. He was writing his will. And this man of God was going to preach at Shiloh. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, he was on the way to Shiloh to preach. I'm telling you. He was writing his will. This is it's quite irrational. So who survived to pass on the will? <laughs> so you believe that Bahamas someone who survived? Why not you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Unrealistic worries. And fears and diseases, and you feel like you're going to die at an ill age. Sometimes you're walking, and there'll be a thought you die at an ill age, you die at an ill age. Thoughts sometimes you're taking it, you have, you have some nice drink with ice cubes, and you're drinking, hey, you are getting diabetes. 
<laughs> like, just imagine irrational. Just imagine if your head is unprotected, a lot of things are entering, 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 entering. And when they come, if you have the helmet, it will hit and bounce away. It will hit and bounce away. I'm not saying they will not come, they will come, but it will bounce away. Those thoughts will not affect your life. You keep on moving on. Strong, forging ahead, and nothing shakes your future. Oh, you even have a sickness presently. And you feel the pain. The devil whispers to you, Oh, this sickness has to take you to the grave. Remember, he may give you three examples of people who have this kind of sickness or more, and they even have, their faith was even higher than you. After the devil, don't limit him. And he'll give you examples and he'll tell you, You'll not make it. You'll not make it. And whilst he's telling you, what the devil whispered said, I think it's true that he speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Continue. He speaks to you. You are right. And that's what we do. And this thought comes. Hmm. Then you start weeping. Oh. <laughs> no one is talking to you, but you are weeping. But something <laughs> <laughs> you need a helmet. You need a helmet. Remember, all of these are deceit. Now, these are the things that we are warring against us every day. These are the things we are warring against us every day. You are not even yet married, but you believe your marriage will not work. What sort of nonsense is that? <laughs> Last year, someone called me. The guy was going to marry in two weeks' time. He called me. He's a man of God. I'm married. You have not married before. He called me. He's a man of God. Marriage is not easy. He's a man of God. Marriage. Marriage is not easy. Marriage is not easy at all. He kept saying, man of God, marriage is not easy. Marriage. Marriage. I'm saying, ah, man of God, have you married before? Marriage is so sweet. Yeah, marriage is so sweet. What are you talking about? I said, I said Man of God, is it true? <laughs> said, is it true? I said, Marriage is so sweet. It's, it's the nearest thing to heaven on earth. That, that, that's when you are in the right one, anyway. You see, a good marriage is the closest thing to heaven on earth. But a bad marriage is the closest thing to hell on earth. <laughs> but after three months he called me and said man of God hey man of God marriage is sweet oh. <laughs> so we called him for counseling I said you are hearing the wrong people and he's hearing people whose marriages are failed and thinking his marriage will be like that how about the endless examples of those whose marriages are prospering why don't you concentrate on them other than the negative ones if a man of God might have fallen on the rocks, there are many marriages that are in heaven on earth. Why don't you concentrate on those ones? The devil hit your head. Hit your head. Hit your head. Hallelujah. That is why Paul told Timothy, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That word means healthy mind. You are liberated from the strongholds to think right thoughts clean thought. Your mind is saved from worries and anxieties and disasters and frustrations and depressive thoughts. You are free. Your hope for the future is sure and steadfast. Your hope is unwavering. You believe good things are coming to you. You believe in good success. You believe in a prominent future. You believe in success. Good success. You believe that your wife is blessed. You have a good marriage. You believe you have a good job. You believe you have a good ministry. Your life is blessed abundantly in every way. These are the thoughts of God. Your thinking is double fruitfulness. When I think my thought is fruitful, whatever I do will work. I will make it. I will succeed because he knows the thought he thinks toward me of good and not of evil to bring me to an expected end. The Bible says, surely there is an end and your expectations shall not be cut off. Good things God has preserved for us. Prosperous things God has preserved for us. Our mind is full of hope. We have the helmet. Hey, this will work for us. It is well with us. In every way. Hola Sata. 
Beloved, we are not giving in to every wiles of the devil. When the thought comes, we put it aside. Malasatala. I like it when Bishop Oedipo said he said he dreamt and he saw himself in a coffin he rose up from his dream and said Satan it will surprise you I will not pray listen Bishop Oedipo went home and his wife had miscarried and the wife said Honey, I have miscarried. He turned and said, It cannot be. It can't, it cannot be. Save me my food on the dining table. And he never mentioned, mentioned it again. After two weeks, the baby was still there. He said, Human beings are not blood. He said, Your thought must be positive. No negative. You know, it has been seen. That was a blessed memory. It is said that physically, how, how did that see when he's driving? He doesn't go back. He doesn't go reverse. He's always going forward. He believed that life, he, he, he would never reverse in life. <laughs> it's forward, forward, forward. Forward, forward. Your walk with God is intact. Your fellowship with God is intact. Your love for Jesus is intact. Everything is intact. You will not fail and you will not be discouraged. Give the Lord a glory. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.